You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and now the new podcasting app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday, game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans take on the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game of two disappointing teams this year and two teams that might be losing their star players, though Charlotte's still somehow in playoff contention for that eighth and final spot in the Eastern Conference. We'll pre- Preview that game coming up in the third segment of the podcast here, but we're going to talk about front office things ahead of that. As I said, we were going to be doing all week. Bit of a curveball, though, thrown into the mix as the Washington Wizards maybe finally have fired their longtime president, GM, what have you, Ernie Grunfeld. I'm going to look at that and how it impacts the Pelicans' potential search. Potential, we should say. And then we're going to, of course, take a look at a new candidate for the Pelicans front office, and that is Gerson Rosas of the Houston Rockets. So let's just dive right on into everything in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So yesterday, the Washington Wizards announced that they have relieved Ernie Grunfeld of his duties as team president, which is probably a move that is kind of surprising because he's been far under 500 throughout his 16 years there. And I don't know you know, why all of a sudden now they decided to fire him versus years and years ago when they should have. Make no mistake, this is probably the right move. And if you're a Wizards fan, this has been kind of a day long in the making. They've kind of reached an untenable situation there that doesn't look like it's going to get any better with John Wall and the massive amount of money he's going to be making clogging up their salary cap over the long term and injury issues he's had. Been a fan of John Wall even despite his last couple of years, but this injury now little bit different, a little bit scarier. They're not in a real good place. They're going to end up paying a lot of money for John Wall and likely Bradley Beal. And that's really it. And they're basically capped out and they can't really do anything else. So the question then becomes, is this an appealing job or is it more of an appealing job than, say, the New Orleans Pelicans one is? And Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted this in his second tweet regarding the firing that they, the Pelicans are actually having interviews this week with Trajan Langdon, Larry Harris of Golden State, and Gerson Rosas um, from Houston, who we'll talk about in the next segment. Could this potentially take away any of those candidates? Would they want that job over the Pelicans job? I don't think so because of that salary cap situation. But one name to watch with this that's tied to the Pelicans is Danny Ferry. A couple of people have tweeted out that he's been linked to the job in Washington. That is a realistic thing, I think. Again, I think Ferry wants to go to the right situation 
uh, for him. And I don't know if that's New Orleans and it might be the Washington Wizards. I think maybe he wants something more on the East Coast and a little bit closer to home, potentially. I don't know for sure. And I think that could have appeal to him. But I think if you're looking at the two situations here, New Orleans is far more appealing. You're going to have a lottery pick just like the Wizards will too. Your salary cap over the long term is much cleaner than the Washington Wizards is. And you're going to have a lot more assets to do with kind of what you want than you would with the Wizards after an Anthony Davis trade, you also have an owner that seems like she really wants to invest into the team right now. I was over on the Sports Hangover yesterday on ESPN Radio here in New Orleans, and they said, you know, it was maybe this kind of a blessing in disguise that AD wants out because it's going to force the Pelicans to do the right thing. And I said, they're saying all the right things. Whether or not they actually do those things is a different story, and we'll find that out pretty quickly this offseason. But certainly right now, it seems like this is trending in a good direction for New Orleans, all things considered. You know, you got to factor in AD is leaving, and that's something no one really wants. And even though he's kind of burned the bridges on the way out of here, you still don't want to see that happening with him. But some of the names kind of out there have been linked to the Wizards that have been tied to the Pelicans. The obvious ones that are interviewing here in New Orleans are going to come up there with Washington. That the Pelicans have a bit of an inside jump here on guys that they want to hire if they're interviewing them this week and the Washington Wizards are just about to start that. They've apparently been reaching out to search firms too. My God, that sounds like the best gig ever. We should all get together and start a GM search consulting firm here, I think. And we'd probably make a lot of money just turning up the usual names. So these names are going to come up again. But the Pelicans are interviewing them first. If they make an offer, it's almost tough for these guys to be like, no, I'll wait and see if I get the Wizards job, if that's the one they want, versus not taking the Pelicans thing. It's a it's a bird in hand type situation. They've also apparently been linked to Tim Conley of the Nuggets and other current GMs who may want to move over and do something a little bit different potentially or make more money, take on a new challenge, what have you. I don't think Tim Conley, formerly of New Orleans, by the way, is going to leave that Denver Nuggets position given that they are in the run with the uh, Golden State Warriors for the best record in the Western Conference. And I, I don't know if they've won or lost as of from last night when I'm recording this right now, but they might have a tied record at the moment. So there's a chance that this could happen. So we'll see. I don't think this really changes anything on the Pelicans front. Again, they have the inside track on these guys. And, you know, I don't know if Washington's going to make the right hire. Because they're also saying that Tommy Shepard, who then got linked to the Pelicans today somehow, even though we hadn't really heard that, and is the Wizards' senior vice president of basketball operations, and who's also their interim GM, is going to really be in the running for the permanent GM position there. This is a dude who's been there working under Grunfeld for 14 years. 14 years of nothing really working out and a lot of bad decisions. Promoting that guy to GM just doesn't seem like a good move. Him being linked to the Pelicans is a little bit interesting. You've got to wonder if they're just saying that to maybe kind of float him up there um, and get him that job. But you've got to wonder if they're even going to make the right hire here. I can tell you, though, if Tommy Shepard is linked to New Orleans without really knowing much about him at all, not really excited about that whatsoever because, frankly, I don't know, anything kind of associated with that team for that long can't be anything good. 
So before we get to Gerson Rosas and his candidacy for the Pelicans GM position, and it sounds like they are interviewing him this week, remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every single day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. All right, next up in the Pelicans candidacy for GM, guys, they are interviewing this week. We are getting closer and closer to a hire is Gerson Rosas of the Houston Rockets, a disciple of Daryl Morey and a guy that's been with their organization for something like 16, 17 years now. So he's been with them for a long time. And basically everyone around the league agrees that it's only a matter of time before he becomes a GM. This is a good thing to kind of consider with it. And this is a guy who has extensive experience with the D League managing their farm system, something that the Houston Rockets take very seriously. Don't forget, coming from that system also was Chris Finch, who was the head coach of their G League affiliate as well, where they really started to kind of experiment and develop that shots in the paint and from three-point range only, nothing from mid-range. So that was kind of built there. He also is obviously going to come with a big analytics background the credibility that that brings to to the team. He's thought of very highly as kind of a guy you want to have in the room to really help with how you approach things, how you think about things. But he's also got aspects of that player side, signing players, coaches, what have you, that you need if you want to succeed in one of these kind of roles leading a club. But there's also a weird situation that happened, and that's something that you've got to keep in mind and I think is going to be important when discussing him and this front office uh, opening. He was a GM once for three months with the Dallas Mavericks back in 2013, 2013, and then left citing fit issues. And it's been reported that he wanted a larger role than what the Dallas Mavericks kind of offered him. He was their GM, but Don Nelson at the time was their president and kind of ran everything on the basketball side of it. They wanted him more as just a very smart voice in the room, not the one kind of making the decisions and shaping things. And it seems like he didn't want that and wanted to be the main guy. He wanted to lead the basketball operations there in Dallas. Didn't work out, so he left saying fit, even though they tried to convince him to stay and move back to Houston where he's been ever since. You know, the the obvious question with this is how was that not kind of clarified beforehand? And you figure that for any next job that he will take, and he's interviewed for the Charlotte position. He interviewed also for the Philadelphia 76ers position before not getting either of those two jobs, which is okay, that this would get clarified and it shouldn't be an issue again. But you have to figure that he's going to want to be in charge top to bottom. I don't know if he's going to take a job where they're going to put a president of basketball operations above him. Or they need to have very clearly defined lanes. But if he wants to have that complete control, you know, it's probably not going to fly. And given that he's not necessarily an experienced GM running his own shop, does that kind of make the Pelicans pause on this a little bit? I don't know. But this is a guy who's very clearly thought of highly around the league and who can bring in kind of that mindset of how to build a team and wants to have that kind of flexibility and just kind of has a new way of looking at basketball that's more modern than maybe some of the other candidates that you're going to see there. 
And when you look at his record with Houston, they've done a good job of trying to build around James Harden and figure out what works with this team while also being very, very aggressive in doing so. Don't forget that failed Chris Paul trade between the then New Orleans Hornets and the Lakers was going to have them flipping assets to the Houston Rockets so that the Rockets could land that established star that they want, have that solid core in place of that one guy, and then build around him very smartly. And that's something that Houston's done. Look at the shooters they've put around James Harden there. Look at bringing Chris Paul in when that made a lot of sense to make his life a little bit easier. And some of the other things this team has done. Don't forget, they were basically like a couple three-point shots away in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals from making the NBA Finals and beating the Golden State Warriors. This all looks good, and when they do make a mistake, and they have, take a look at a guy like Carmelo Anthony, who I think is still technically there. Um, or maybe he's been, I don't even know at this point, um, had, you know, they've moved on and they've admitted their mistakes and it's not a sunk cost fallacy, which you saw the Pelicans fall into under general manager Dell Demps. This is all a good approach that you want to take with the team. They've made the right trades. They've made good free agent signings. Eric Gordon's been great for them as much as we hate to admit it here in New Orleans. That's what you need. And he's going to be able to come into this situation get the star and the core guys he wants to build around and will clearly have a plan on how to go about doing it and will then go out and try and execute it. And sometimes it's what you need. No one ever really got upset with Dell Dems for at least having a plan. That young vets model wasn't the right plan, of course, but at least he had one. That's better than not. It's better than kind of what the Lakers did this year or some other teams around the league that are just trying to kind of pull Band-Aids off and different things. So having a guy like Rosas come in and able to execute a vision, particularly if it's the right vision and given where he's been, you have to figure that maybe it would be. This is a good look for the team. And obviously they're doing things right in Houston and it's never bad to poach those people. So we'll see how the interview goes with him this week and what the decision from the Pelicans will be. So obviously a ton of news flying around with the Wizards firing their general manager. Other things going on around the NBA. Russell Westbrook put up an absurd stat line. A 2020-20 triple-double-double? Something like that. Double-triple-double? I don't know how you even describe that because it hasn't happened since 1968. We got to recap that on the Locked On NBA podcast today. I'm on there every Wednesday. And of course, if you want to keep up with everything going on around the association, the Locked On NBA podcast is the absolute best way to do it. So make sure you listen and subscribe. All right, it's game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans take on the Charlotte Hornets. And you know, I was going to do a, a preview on this, tell you what to watch for, how to win, lose this game, what have you. And then you look at Charlotte, who is in playoff contention. They're currently 10th in the Eastern Conference with a 35-42 and 42 record, three games behind the final eighth spot. It doesn't matter, does it? Like, this game is more important for tanking standings than it is for who's going to win or who's going to lose. It sounds like Frank Jackson, if you want injury updates, is going to be out for the Pelicans. Anthony Davis should not be playing in this one, though I guess it will remain to be seen. You have to figure out for Peyton May. Julius Randle probably will. And then everyone else of importance is kind of shut down. Christian Wood will get some minutes out there, though he didn't play well the other night. Maybe you just kind of want to see a good Kenrich Williams game because he has struggled uh, quite a bit over the past couple of weeks. This game is important for the Pelicans for tanking and really nothing else. 
you know, if they lose this game, they can move into a tie with Memphis and Dallas for sixth worst record in the league. And then at least create some sort of weird situation where their lottery odds are increased. Though again, you guys know I'm not too worried about it. If you're interested in stuff for the Charlotte Hornets, they're not good. You know, they've lost three in a row right now when they really need to be trying to win and get back into playoff contention, not able to do so. They're a slower paced team that doesn't have a good defense and is middling on offense at best. Of course, they are led by Kemba Walker in what might be his final year with the Charlotte Hornets. He alone is worth the price of entry to this game. He is a lot of fun to watch. 25.2 points on the season, 5.8 assists, and 4.4 rebounds, doing it on a little bit of a down year for him for th- from three-point shooting with 53.3%, taking almost nine attempts per game. Uh, this is the dude who matters for Charlotte. If he has a decent enough game, they should be able to win. If he doesn't, maybe the Pelicans pulled this off and hurt themselves in the reverse-inverse standings. But yeah, look, I think everyone here is ready for this season to end given what's going on with the team and we're all just waiting now for a new GM and then a trade with the uh, with Anthony Davis and moving him on to something new. So we'll see. It should be fun. I really like Kemba Walker as a player, so this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited to see him in what might be his final game with the Charlotte Hornets. And please don't go to New York. I don't want to see you there, even though he's from New York. Um, and it's probably be a big coming home for him. So we'll see how it goes. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.